Good morning. You, you can be seated for just a, a second. Uh, let's just get this out of the way. Uh, today would have been Margaret's 65th birthday. And God knew uh, four months ago when I was putting the schedule together that she was going to be spending it with him. And, but he still saw fit to put a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing on the, uh, on the schedule. Uh, and I don't know who told Will to pick these songs to just destroy me, but <clears throat> first service uh, got the brunt of it, you know. I, uh, I, but uh, you know, Kevin mentioned uh, especially that um, your goodness is running after you. You see, uh, the part of that song that I think Margaret connected with the most was "All My Life You Have Been Faithful." she never knew a time in her life that she wasn't saved. It was a Timothy salvation with her. She, she's just always been saved, as far as she knew. All of her life, he had been faithful. And so the last, and, and then I think the other part was with every breath that I am able, that last couple of weeks when she was struggling for every breath. You know, I, my last strong memory of her in our house is standing in the, living room, dancing to that song like this. Yeah. So thank you, God. Thank you, Will. Thank you, everybody. But this is a, it's a special day. Would you stand with me and let's uh, read a passage of Scripture that hopefully you are memorizing by now. <clears throat> there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Father, I thank you I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the ability of the Word to change our lives. And Lord, I believe that you have a game changer for some people today. May our hearts be open to it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, a time to embrace. Uh, my mind immediately goes to, uh, to marriage. Um, that's just the first place that it goes. Because within, within the context of marriage, it's virtually always a time to embrace. Now, there are times to embrace outside of marriage, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit. I don't know, some of you aren't married. Maybe someday you will be. Uh, some of you may never be married, and, and that's okay, because there will be some things here uh, for you as well. But uh, in my wedding band, it says Genesis 2.24, and, and this is, uh, many of you are familiar with this passage. This is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And, 
And, and I think that verse is played out. I mean, uh, this is a, a general statement, but I think it's, it's, it's pretty accurate. Um, as a general rule, sons are different from daughters. I don't know if anybody's noticed that or not. Uh, daughters have higher pitched voices when they scream. Uh, that's, that's, that's one of the things. But, uh, but as, they, as they get older, uh, and especially as, as they marry, um, daughters tend to kind of stay close. Uh, you know, it's not always the case, but they, tend to, they tend, tend to stay connected. Sons, on the other hand, you know, they, they have a different uh, position, a different situation. They, they, uh, they leave. They're, they become connected to their wife, and that's the way it should be. That's the way that it's, uh, that it's supposed to be. Uh, and in, in any event, marriage should be about a time to embrace. Um, I know the last two weeks that I've been up, which have been the two weeks I've been up since Margaret passed, you've heard me talk about Margaret each week, um, and you're going to again this week. Uh, and, and you're probably going to for a while because I'm in a season, okay? Let's just say that. But I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about it this week, and there's really three reasons uh, why one is because I'm in a season. I'm she's, I'm thinking about her a lot. Uh, that's I, I think that's pretty that's pretty normal. That'd be pretty pretty natural. Uh, two, Margaret was a very private person. Uh, I don't know how many of you are aware of that, but Margaret's mo was if there's not a really good reason to tell you, she ain't telling you. And sometimes she wasn't telling me. Unless there was a really good reason to tell me. We, about 25 years ago, we had a, a secretary here, and she handed in her notice, uh, or, or she was telling me she was giving her notice one day. And I went, well, well why? You know, what's, what's, what's the problem? She says, well, I'm, I'm having a baby. Uh, you know, and normally you notice that sort of thing. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, people don't always show necessarily the same way. And you only, you only make the mistake once of going, oh, you're pregnant. <laughs> Before you realize that, no, you don't. Yeah. You, you need to get your information before you make any kind of statements. And uh, so when she said, I'm having a baby. And I said, really? Congratulations. She said, Margaret didn't tell you. I told her three months ago. Okay. You know, so I went home and I said, Margaret, uh, Suzanne's having a baby. You didn't, you didn't tell me. She told me not to tell anybody. <laughs> I was. Uh, I may be her husband, but apparently I was also anybody. Uh, you know, and that, that was kind of the way. Now, I, I'm, I, my MO is different. Unless there's a good reason to not tell you, or unless I've been told, don't tell. I tell you, you know, just ask me. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it out there. So we, you know, we kind of balanced each other a little bit that way at times. Uh, so that was, and so while she was with us, there would be times that you know, there is no way under heaven that I would have gotten up if she were still here and said, "Oh, today's Margaret's sixty-fifth birthday." Uh-uh. Because unless you were very close, you didn't know her age. You weren't about to find out. But, uh, you know, I feel a little more released, uh, maybe, to share some things now than before. And then the third thing, the third reason is because Margaret had a lot of wisdom. 
There was just a lot of wisdom that, that in her life, and not just the things that she said, but the way she did things uh, that could be passed on. If you were uh, at the service for her or, or have watched the video, you may recall Rhonda Frazier reading off a list of things that Margaret taught her. Far and away, my favorite thing on that list was this. Kiss your husband in front, often in front of other people. I mean, and we did. She did. That, that picture, by the way, that, was, uh, that picture was made October the 10th, 1998. And I know that because I know where it is. Uh, we were in, uh, it was our 22nd anniversary. We were in Rithen, Wales at a medieval feast uh, at a castle there. It's a pretty cheesy feast, but it was, it was, it was pretty good. And, well, they, they had cheese too, but I mean, it was... Uh, the, uh, and there were three couples there who, who were having anniversaries, and we were the rookies. We had been married 22 years. Uh, there was another couple there who had been married 30 years. And then there were some real old people there who had been married for 40 years. And uh, they were from a place called Montenegro. You can, you can Google that. But anyway, uh, Margaret and I kissed each other at every meal. Uh, once, once the prayer had been said, we had kissed before we would eat. And, uh, you know, and sometimes we'd be in restaurants and stuff and she'd be on one side of the booth and I'd be on the other. And, you know, we just, you know, kind of get up and give it that sort of thing. And we were so used to it. Uh, and it was such a tradition. Isaac, uh, carried it into his family. And, uh, I'll never forget the first Christmas that Isaac and Stephanie were married. Um, the family was all, uh, standing in a circle holding hands uh, and, and we were praying, and Margaret wasn't beside me, and Stephanie wasn't beside Isaac, but we were just so used to, once the prayer was over, Isaac and I turned and just kissed each other. <laughs> and Arwen screamed. She goes, Dad, you just kissed Isaac on the mouth. Yeah, you know. <laughs> We're we're related. It's okay. Yeah, but we but we kissed every time we said goodbye. Every time one of us was going someplace, we kissed goodbye. Every time every time we uh, uh, would come back together, we'd kiss to to say say hello. We uh, we 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 kissed. You say, well, this is about embracing, kissing, embracing. It's yeah, it's all the same thing. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, your kids should see you do that. You should, you should kiss your spouse often in front of other people. And by the way, your kids are other people. And they should see you do that. They should see, they should see you hug. They should see you be a, a affectionate. They should see you embrace. Now, you know, I mean, there's a line. I'm not talking about intimacy. You know, there, there is... There is a difference. Fondness and intimacy are two different things. Intimacy, by definition, is private, and it should be private. Let it stay private. But fondness, do, do, you, do your kids know that marriage does not kill physical enjoyment? They, they see that in the context. They see physical enjoyment in, in the context outside of marriage all the time. If you got a television or you, you go to movies or you watch, look at billboards, I mean, you know, they, they see that all the time. But do they know that it's still there in marriage? 
that you know that is still there in marriage. I don't, you know, feel like physical enjoyment every day. That doesn't matter. You need it. You need it every day. Margaret and I said, I love you every day. Every single day. And I imagine most days our kids heard us say it uh, when they were growing up. Every day. Kissing and, and kissing and embracing helps reinforce that, by the way. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna kiss, you just might as well say, I love you. If you if you're going if you're gonna embrace, you might as well say, I love you. And you kind of go, well, you know, I don't know if I necessarily feel that way every day. Big deal. Seriously. And and I've 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 heard this before too. Well, you know, she just doesn't look like she used to. She doesn't, you know, she's put on weight or he's put on he's and it's usually the man complaining about the woman. Let me tell you something. The way a woman looks as she ages, if she's married, the way that she looks when she ages says a whole lot about how her husband treats her. You treat her beautiful. You treat her like she's beautiful. She'll stay beautiful. She'll even become more beautiful. If you don't, it's not necessarily her fault. Love isn't a feeling. I mean, you, you know that. Fe- feelings are, are temporary. Feelings are not meant to last. Have you ever been angry? Now, this is a real question. You can raise your hand if you want. Yeah. Have you ever been angry? Are you still? Well, I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. We got that's That's true. But I mean, all the time. Because if there is, you need help. And some of you do need help. Same thing with sadness. I mean, we've all been sad, but if you're sad all the time, you need some help. Your genuine feelings, ecstasy, ecstasy is not meant to last. Feelings are, are temporary things. Love is not a temporary thing. I didn't always feel like I loved Margaret. It's hard for me to imagine that she didn't always feel like she loved me, but that, 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 that's possible. Uh, but I always chose to love her, and she always chose to love me because we were in a lifetime covenant with one another where we promised to do that. Okay. You know, I, I tried to not necessarily, when, when I got, was putting this, this sermon together, I was, I was maybe trying to go some other places. Uh, I was trying to go, well, you know, embrace. I mean, people embrace ideas and causes and, 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 and hobbies, and they embrace various things, and there's a time to do that and a time to release. I think I'll go there, and God goes, nope. Talk about the obvious. Time to embrace, time to refrain from embracing. And I'm going to keep it within the context of marriage because, I mean, you all know the seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I don't bring this topic up often, but today I'm supposed to. 
God said to. And, and if, you're, if you're here today, <clears throat> and this is an uncomfortable subject for you, that's why you're here today. Because God brought you here intentionally. Uh, Genesis 2.24 says the two become one flesh. And, th- and, that's, and this, that's not just about having children. When Margaret and I were in uh, pre-marriage counseling, the, uh, the, the pastor pointed out to us, you know, that children are an expression of the two becoming one flesh. And in fact, they are. But that's not just what that's about. And it's not, uh, it's not just about physical intimacy, and, and, it, and it isn't just mystical words either. You know, since, since Margaret has been gone, and I'm certainly not the first person this has happened to, and I think probably all of you have discovered uh, if you've gone through this experience since she's been gone, I've discovered it's not just her gone, part of me's gone. You know, and it's taking me a while to figure out that, okay, there's, there's, there's a bunch of me still left here, and so I need, to, I, I need to move on with that. Part of me's gone because the two do, in fact, become one. And breaking, breaking that, that, that covenant involves consequences. Uh, not because God is mad at you. Man wasn't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for mankind. You weren't created for to keep rules. Those rules that God brings were created to, to, to keep you safe, to, to help you have a better life. And, and one of the consequences can involve very real danger. Proverbs 6, 29 says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. And then in the next uh, chapter, it talks about, because you, you don't have to be married to commit adultery. In the next chapter, it talks about a young man who's unmarried, but who sleeps with another man's wife. And and it says this, it says, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now that's not always the end result. Uh, It can be. And you may go, oh, yeah, I know. Back, I hear back in the day, you know, people would. I have a friend whose sister had cancer. And um, she, um, the kind of cancer she had, it was, it was, it was a long experience, a long struggle. And it was a, a specialized kind. And actually, it caused the, the cartilage in her nose to be gone. And, and basically, they had to take her nose off. And uh, it was disfiguring. Uh, she'd been a beautiful woman. And, uh, but then also, over a long period of time with some of the treatments and stuff, um, she and her husband were not able to be intimate with one another, and he had uh, an affair. What an what a innocent-sounding word. Affair. Yeah, right. Uh, well, it ultimately came to light, and um, often it does. And, uh, and forgiveness happened. You know, she was able to forgive him, and their marriage, you know, was continued and got back together. And 
the the offended husband, uh, you know, was uh, extended forgiveness uh, to his wife, and their marriage continued on. And then uh, a couple of years later, he uh, murdered the man who had committed adultery with his wife. Not in a nice way either. And he he got off, uh, not because it wasn't clear that he was guilty, but because there just wasn't enough for first-degree murder, which is what they were what they were, were were charging him with. It happens, people. It it happens. Um, in Steve Taylor's song "Sin for a Season," even if it doesn't go to that extreme. He has a verse about adultery, and it ends up with these lines. If the healing happens as the time goes by, tell me why I still can't look her in the eye. For those who have already fallen, and in a room this size with this many people, somebody has. And you know, and you, and you didn't come here today to get beat up. I mean, God didn't bring you here to beat you up. For some of you, you're already being beat up. And so God brought you here to get some answers. What do I do? Well, what you do is, you first of all, you get clean with God. You, you, you go to Him first. He will forgive you. you know, the Scripture says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just, He'll forgive our sins, He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so He will. And He's just to do it, not because I'll never do this again, but because Jesus died on the cross. That, that's, that's the guarantee. He will forgive you. You go, okay, well then what do I do after that? Get clean with Him so you can hear something from Him. So He can tell you what to do. You go, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I have to tell everybody. H.L. Mencken has a, has a quote that I think is just brilliant. He says, for every complex situation... There is an answer that is simple and clear and wrong. You need to hear something from God. And you got to get clean with Him before you can. But get clean with Him. Hear something from God. Others have, others have recovered. Marriages can recover. You know, consequences can be minimized, but don't try to do this on your own wisdom. Don't try to do it without God's input. Get input from Him. And for those who are teetering, and you know what I mean by teetering, don't. Don't. God brought you here today because He had a word for you, and that word is stop. As Margaret lay on her deathbed, I, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not holding myself up by any means as a paragon of virtue. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not. I, you know, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you know, if you've done it in your heart, you've done it. Well, me and Jimmy Carter, we're both guilty, Okay. And, and, and probably most of the men in the room. But that's not, that is not the same thing as going, well, you know, I've already done it in my heart. I might as well. No, not at all. And as Margaret lay on her deathbed, I was able to, uh, I was able to look her in the, in the eye and, and tell her how much she had uh, 
how well she had done and how, how much she had enriched my life and the lives of others. And if anything was blessed at all about that, and that was blessed, I was also able to say, I have been faithful to you. 42 years and I've been faithful to you. Forsaking all others, keeping myself only unto you for as long as we both shall live. You don't want to lose that. There, there is no affair that is worth trading for that. Let me quickly also go here. I, 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 there's two other places I need to go fairly quickly. Beware the false embrace. Jesus was betrayed by an embrace, by a kiss. He was, he was betrayed. Some kisses hide a, hide a dark motive, and some... Some actions are intended to, to deceive. Uh, Proverbs says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And, and this, this truth can be expanded beyond kisses and hugs, but, but, but I want to go back to kisses and hugs right now today, especially, especially young people, okay? Because as you get older, you, you kind of, have been there, done that. You've learned a few things, but young person, uh, and especially gals, please, please understand there is such a thing as a false embrace. It's a real thing. It's a very real thing. And not everyone, not everyone who, who offers a false embrace is a predator. Sometimes they're just, they're just immature. They don't, know, they don't know what love is. They don't know necessarily what, what's going on, what's, what's actually happening here. Uh, but predators do exist. They actually do. And they succeed by not looking like predators, but by showing undue attention. That's how they tend to succeed. And especially, especially if someone has grown up in a home where attention has, has been very hard to come by. Uh, but young, also young and old person, let me kind of flip it to the other side. Both, both, both young and old person, uh, understand we're living in an age, and, and I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing, but we're living in an age when intentions can be misunderstood. And sometimes you don't know, sometimes you really don't know what your own intentions are when you, uh, when you, when you enter into a, a, a situation. I have a pastor friend who was... Uh, uh, who, who lost a good-sized church uh, a number of years back because the ladies were very uncomfortable with how he hugged. I mean, it was a hugging church, but they were uncomfortable with how he hugged. And he, to this day, doesn't get it. Well, it wasn't what I was thinking. It doesn't matter what you're thinking necessarily. When uh, You know, unless it's going to be, if it's going to be anything more than just a nice little side hug, then you better have a strong enough relationship with that person that it's understood that there's no misunderstanding about what this is about. And that's, to some degree, that's, that's unfortunate because there is great healing power in an embrace. Inside, outside of marriage. Embrace can bring great healing. Uh, 
my favorite fictional series is the Outlander series. And uh, don't watch a television show, it's a mess. But, but, the, but the, the books themselves, they're really good. And, uh, and in the next to the last one, there's a, there's a situation where the main character, Claire, uh, she's a time traveler, by the way. She's from the 20th century, and she's back in the 18th century, so everybody thinks she's <gasps> magic because she knows some stuff. But uh, uh, she's, she's, in, she's in Scotland, and, uh, and she's with her husband's family, and, uh, and uh, the brother-in-law is, is very sick. He's on his deathbed. And one of, the, one of the children who lives in France happens to come home, and, and it's just the two of them. I mean, they happen, uh, she happens to be the only one there when he walks in. His name's Michael. And uh, they've been expecting him. They're wondering why he's so late. And when, uh, when, when, they, when they meet each other, you know, he says, ah, you, you, you're Uncle Jamie's fairy wife. And she says, oh, is that what they call me? And he says, well, that or the witch, depending on if it's mom or dad talking. She says, okay. And then he, she sees that he's wearing a black armband. And she goes, well, what? Well, my wife passed away two weeks ago. That's, that's why I was late. And being the 18th century, nobody knew it. And, uh, and in the scene... She just she instinctively just embraces him and says, "Oh, I am so sorry." And it says, you know, uh, it's talking from her perspective. She says, "I felt the emptiness and I felt the brokenness and I felt the confusion inside of him." Which point he draws back and goes, "I'll be there, right." When you, he, when, you, when you embrace, you can heal. You, you can take part of the brokenness. You can take part of the pain. During the last month that, uh, that Margaret was at the house, she, uh, when she would sit down to eat, she would often just have these coughing fits, and it would be very difficult for her to keep food down. And, and uh, you know, and they'd given her some medicine stuff. It didn't work. What did work was she would say, hold me tight. And I would for, I don't know, a couple of minutes, whatever. And it would pass. Embracing has the power to heal. Worship team, come out. I got one, one last story I want to tell you. My dad lived for about four years after my mom passed. They, they were married one month shy of 68 years. And uh, I went over, to, I'd go over to see him every day. And I think he was probably about 90 at the time. And he, uh, normally he didn't turn bonanza off when I went in. But, <laughs> you know, so he and I'd talk while Hoss and Little Joe would do something. But uh, this day the TV was off. And he, uh, and he kind of was misty-eyed. He'd been thinking about stuff. My dad grew up in kind of a difficult situation. His dad was a sharecropper and passed away when he was four years old, leaving his mom with, with, with five kids, six kids, five or six. Wasn't, wasn't much of a remarriage market for widows with five or six kids who were dirt poor. So she never remarried. And, you know, and then when he was 13, the depression hit. And anyway, uh, he didn't warm up. He, he didn't grow up in a very warm situation necessarily good but but not warm 
And my, my mom, uh, they were a lot better off economically, but her family was kind of, you know, one of those, uh, you know, well, we don't do that because that's, you know. Uh, and so I didn't really either. But anyway, he this day, he was saying, you know, I see you and Isaac and your family and the way you all do. He said, one sentence that I'll never forget. He said, I think I could have had that. I could have had that. You can have that. You can. Say, well, you know, that'd be kind of a radical change. Today's game changer. Game changer. It's what today can and should be. And you go, well, I, I'm just not, I'm just not wired to change. I'm not, I'm not asking you to go out and hug everybody on the street, but I mean, you you got your kids, you got your spouse, you got those people who are close to you. Shower the people you love with love. 